women's anatomy was considered like the mystery zone up until like last week. So I was about to say, and for some people, it still is. <laughs> it's absolutely still a mystery zone. Hey, sisters. Hey, sisters. Welcome to a podcast about sisters. By sisters. And for everybody. <laughs> so what are we telling us? First of all, this is our first recording. This is our first podcast. Yes, and we're very is. excited about it. So yes, we are very, very excited. I am a little nervous, actually. Really? Even That's though I already because have a podcast. you're the younger sister. Just for clarity, because I'm sure it will come up at some point. I'm older. And, and that's Gretchen I, talking. I'm Gretchen. I'm the oldest. And I um, I heavily utilize that role. Like I would say I take advantage even. Well, that actually ties into our story for today. And yeah. I am Jesse. I am the younger, more beautiful, more popular, more talented one. And I'm also the one that can post justify anything that my sister says. So wait to and tie that And she also uses big words like post justify. And I have to say. Hmm. Like I know what she's talking about, like justify after the fact. Post yes. Like, just- like I said, I, I said, I carried a watermelon. I can post justify that by the fact that blah, blah, blah. Um, but I can't post justify baby saying I carried a watermelon in one of our favorite movies. Can't do it. What movie is it? Dirty dancing. And I also am good at sitting quietly and letting her talk herself into a hole. So get used to that. You're a gem. So here's, here's our whole thought tonight was, Ooh, we've got these great stories about sisters. And what we've learned is they always remind us of ourselves, no matter what the sisters are. So what is, what is your story about? Uh, My story is about Emily and Elizabeth Blackwell. They are two preeminent women doctors. They founded the first hospital for women and children, like that's dedicated to women and children. And um, I thought it'd be a good inaugural podcast because they are insanely famous in their own right. They are an older and younger sister. I guess the other option would be twins. Are they twins? No, they're not. They're older and younger. They're actually two of nine children, Blackwell children. Are they the only girls? No, they're not. Mm -hmm. Um, But we'll get into that. (laughs) because I, yeah, like, so I really, I I really like their story and it kind of reminded me loosely of like our mom's a nurse and we kind of got that little caretaker side of things, but Gretchen, you spent quite a bit of your early life. Therefore my early life in a hospital, (laughs) in a hospital, (laughs) She's making me out to be something I'm not, but this this was, this was how it all tied in. Right. When I'm like, we can make anything about ourselves. No, we were like hospital. I'm like, and then I can tell a story how I was in the hospital, but I was, I was in the hospital like a lot because I think I should share my noise. Share your noise. Should I share my noise? Like you're going to have to get like either. I know I'm going to have to get really close. So everyone listen, and this is great. So you have to guess what body part of mine is making this noise. Y'all should see Jesse's face. That sounds like, so oh, gross. No, no. It sounds gross, but you if I'm doing this, you know it's probably not disgusting. So listen carefully. Could you hear it? I heard it. That, that I mean that I'll means do it it's on the recording. Okay, I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try it again. I'm gonna get the mic really close. Okay, let me describe for you what I just saw. <laughs> Gretchen said, let me get the mic really close. And she picked it up and like log your votes now because i'm about to reveal the body part that the sound came out of um gretchen said let me get the mic really close picks up the microphone holds it to her eyeball that is your left eyeball correct 
It is my left eyeball. Yes. So Gretchen, why does your left eyeball make that interesting sound? Because I have an artificial tear duct. Yay. And okay. My microphone's probably going to make some noises because when I try to set it back down, all hell. That's okay. Let's stop talking. Let's stop talking and you can reset your mic and then I'll edit it out. I already did it. So yeah, I have an artificial tear duct, um, which means my tear duct, it, it wasn't even formed. It's fake, but my biological tear duct was not even fully formed. Um, and so it's fiberglass. Fun fact, when this was put in, I was probably four years old, maybe, maybe three. They put it in adult size. So like my whole youth life, even today, people are like, oh, you have something in your eye. I'm like, yeah, it's called a fiberglass tear duct. Thanks. Um, but they told my mother when I had this put in my eye, well, you know, it's probably going to only last about 20 21 years. I don't know. I don't think they said 21. That's really weird. Probably 20 years. Um, and she never told me this, never told me this. She just assumed I would figure it out on my own, which I did when it came shooting out of my eye one. Cause I can breathe. I can go both ways with air in this eye, like breathe in, breathe out. It works. Well, it came shooting out of my eye one day when I had just started dating this guy who is now my husband. Thank God that worked out because you know so yeah it came shooting out of my eye and i called her she said well yeah they said it just wasn't gonna last that long over 20 or well, 20 years is a long time but yeah so then i got another one put in and uh, that this story just goes on forever but it also flew out of my eye the new one when i was teaching a group exercise class never even found that one i never but, heard about that yeah this is my third artificial tear duct so cool mm-hmm. there's my story and that's why I'm like the Blackwell sisters mm, in more ways than, you know, um, it, I'm just I want to know who got it there. right. I want to know who got it right about that noise. I also yes. want to know how many so, people who knew me were listening to it and like cringing because so many people hate when I do that breathe air through my eye thing. And I don't even realize I'm doing it. So many people hate it. I don't even realize I'm doing it. <laughs> and that's the title me. of our podcast folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, if you're catching this episode, we are in the midst of coming up with a title. So we'll see what happens on this episode. But that's also typical of a nurse mom. Anybody that's listening that has a mom to have artificial tear ducts that fly. No, 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 no. Like the, oh yeah. They said that would only last about 20 years. Um, that, that also blood was coming out of my eye. Like the vampires on true blood. Wow. All Um, right. Blackwell sisters. Tell me a tale. I will tell you the tale of the Blackwell sisters. They were born in Bristol, England. Elizabeth was born February 3rd, 1821, making her the elder of the two. And Emily was born October 8th, 1826. And their siblings, they are one of these nine siblings. And it's Anna, Marion, Elizabeth, Samuel, Charles, Henry, Emily, Sarah, Ellen, Howard, and George Washington. (laughs) What? How did how did that happen? Like you'll find out. You'll find out. Oh, really? Wait, there's actually yeah. a story behind this. There's not really a story behind George Washington. There's a conjecture by me. So, like, Got I'm you. guessing. I'm just thinking she's like so done having children that last one. She's like, oh my god, what is it? A boy? I, I George Washington. I don't know. I don't care. Whatever. They were pretty well off. Dad was a sugar refiner, but they were also Quakers, so they and were Americans staunch. Like their sugar, so. Right. Because we're in England. Um, 
I'm not getting any points for listening comprehension. No, you're not. Got That's you. okay. We're in England. Continue. In England. Well, the English like sugar in their tea. So I'll give you some. See, post justification, I'll give you something. Okay. You, everybody gets okay. points. I'll shut up and listen to your story. Okay. Thank you. So they were Quakers, which caused a big issue for Samuel Blackwell, dad, because he was. On one hand, sugar refiner, he needs sugar cane from slave labor to run his business. And on the other hand, he is a Quaker staunch abolitionist and does not like the fact that he's benefiting from slave labor. So it caused like this little crisis in him. Yeah. He thought about sugar beets, but those had to come from America and they were crazy expensive and the sugar was different. What are sugar beets? They're just beets. Oh, do we get, hmm. Okay. This is opening up a lot of questions. So you can get sugar out of beets, but it's a lot more expensive than cane. Okay, cool. Because I mean, just think about it. You can chew on raw sugar cane and it tastes sweet. You chew on a raw beet and it tastes like foot dirt. (laughs) Okay. So obviously he's going to need a lot more beets than cane. But in 1832, the factory caught fire, which is not uncommon for a sugar refinery. Our mom, the nurse actually responded to a sugar fire in 2007. She was one of the nurses that took care of the burn victims because all of the, all of the sugar in the air is super, super flammable. This so, is like, a, this is a more interesting story right now. Currently, this, I mean, you're, you're setting up the Blackwell sisters decently, but I'm almost more interested in the domino disaster of 2007 that I didn't know happened. And it was in my lifetime. Yes. And apparently my mom was an active participant. It was, yeah, she was working in the Joseph M. Still burn unit. Ah, the guy who did my other, (laughs) other weird body part. (laughs) The other reason why Gretchen has been in the hospital. (laughs) I also have a weird thumb. We'll just let that one lie. Yeah. That may come up later. Anyway, so anyway, it's not like it's, I just wanted to say that because it's not like it's arson sugar refineries are to this day, super flammable, like just the sugar dust in the air, things like that. Gotcha. So what they did was they packed up and moved to the States. So uh, now, now we're, we're in, in America. America and that's he why did... he's George Washington. That, that makes even more sense. George Washington, yeah. because like paying homage to their new country, their new home. Yeah. And I don't know. I know that Elizabeth and Emily were both born in Bristol. I don't know about Sarah Ellen Howard. I'm assuming George Washington was definitely born in the U.S. Sarah Ellen was born in the U.S., probably the South. Is that um, her well, name? They moved Sarah to New Ellen? York, so maybe they wanted to be in the South. I think they were just really wanting to be the South. Sarah Ellen? Sarah Ellen. Her name was Sarah Ellen, not Sarah Ellen. Mm, to each his own. Potato, so anyway, potato. Sarah Ellen here. and Sarah Ellen. Go ahead. Sarah Ellen. George Washington. So they get here. They've always been homeschooled by tutors and they hired new tutors in the States. And one thing that their parents made sure about was all the children were educated the same. They're not going to have separate tutors for the boys and the girls. They made sure that everybody got the same education and the highest education attainable by money. They also, because they were Quakers, they spent a lot of time on social justice as it was at the time. So even as like little tiny Blackwells, they were running around wanting to protect people and wanting people to be equal. And it was kind of rough as they grew up to realize that there was a lot of inequity in the world. Cause we're talking about, you know, early 1800s. Uh, yeah. That also established how they expected to be treated in education. Elizabeth went to take care of a friend who was dying. And that friend told Elizabeth if my physician had been a woman, then I would have had a, a more comfortable time of this business of dying. And later, Elizabeth 
conjectured that she had been dying of some form of reproductive cancer, which at the time male doctors were just like, mm, this stinks for you. Let's make her comfortable. Mm-hmm. Fluff her pillows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it was, it I was mean, really at rough. the time slash there could be some like still relevant points there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Kind of ignoring, ignoring the women's side of medicine. Just a, just the lady bits. Yeah. But through that, she realized that she might have a future helping women medically. So she started teaching again and kind of went all over the U S and I love this part because we think of the South as being less progressive, the South U S less progressive than other places, you know, like as someone who's been born and raised in the South and I live in Texas now, I don't really consider that what I refer to as like the South, like the Southeast. There's a lot of that that comes out. We could go all day about the perception versus the reality. And yeah, yeah there's and- a lot of like, there's a lot of backward stuff, but there's a lot of backward stuff everywhere. So Elizabeth went and taught in Asheville and Charleston. What's really cool about that was she had two people and I don't have their names. I couldn't find their names, but there was a physician near both of those schools where she was teaching who kind of took her under their wing and taught her what they knew. So these two doctors are telling her the basics of stuff that you learn in the first year, two years of medical school. So it's kind of like by day, a school teacher by night, a medical intern, she's that's learning like, <laughs> possibly like, I'm imagining you like pitching that as a new TV series. Like, isn't this a great by night, a medical, medical intern. intern. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite as cool. Not as the it Clark could be. Kent of the teaching world. Um, so, so she, um, moves back in 1847. She moves to Philadelphia, which is one of the cities that they lived in when they first came to the States, lived with some of her friends from the Quaker meeting and started applying to medical schools. Obviously she's rejected. Her name is Elizabeth, not Thomas or George Washington. Um, so she's George, he's living the happy life. Yeah, he is good old George Washington. So she is rejected, rejected, rejected until she applies to Geneva college and Dean Lee at Geneva college put it before the student body. And they thought that it was a practical joke. And, and he said, look, I'll let the students vote her in. (laughs) I'm like, I can't even imagine like living in that time. Like, Hey guys, I got a good joke for you today. We're going to let a girl into school. (laughs) Can't even. Um, So, so the students think that the Dean is playing a joke on them. And he, his take is if they all vote her down, then the students have spoken. Or if even one person doesn't want her here, if one person will be uncomfortable, we won't let her into school. Well, they all were like, (laughs) and pulled a carry on it and voted her in. Um, so she a shows up to Carrie. I'm confused. Oh, like Carrie pig's blood, like Carrie pig's blood. That's her last awesome. name. You're right. Carrie pig's blood. Carrie pig's blood. In case you don't know, we're referring to a very popular movie and book called Carrie, right? It's yes. It's called Carrie. Yeah. And, but that's all you need to know. Go watch it and you'll get the Carrie pig's blood. Right. Exactly. Not her last name, but we'll move forward. Uh, you'll um, get it. So, so she shows up, the joke walks onto campus and I'm sure like all the, all these top hats that were like, oh, let's vote her in. We're like, was completely this in scandalized. Geneva? Like, was this in Geneva or was it in Geneva, called- New York? Yes. Oh. Geneva college in rural New York. Geneva, 
where the convention where is, is the real geneva i mean in switzerland more than one real one but where is geneva like i feel when- like it's in switzerland i don't know let me check this map from 1508 behind me <laughs> Let me check this old Shakespearean map that serves no purpose except to be on my wall. I'll go check that fake plant behind me. Yeah, go check your fake plant. Is it on your letter board? No. Geneva, Switzerland. Isn't that right? Sure. Okay. I'll give it to you. It's not related at all to the story, but. No, it's not because we're in New York. from Geneva, Switzerland. Got it. Okay, go ahead. Geneva College, rural New York. Um, So, of course, she gets there. People thought, people realized she was the joke. They had like a great, I feel like the record scratched when she walked onto campus and they all made fun of her. Were there records back then? Or was it like the big old like turny, turny thing? They still played records, Gretchen. The Victrola still played records. So that dude that was turning, it just went backward for a second. Yes. Okay. Yes. In his top hat and in bow tie. And his Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hello, my... Carrie Pigflet, what are you doing here in Geneva, <laughs> Switzerland? <laughs> I thought we were in New York. Was that George Washington? Okay, that's my awful. I don't even know what accent that was. My 1800s act Geneva, Switzerland. You committed to it though. You committed. Like we're not even in the Victorian Victorian era, so we might not have had a Victrola. Oh, that's what that is. Cool. Yeah. Okay, we are so far off, but this is this. It needed a little levity. It was getting kind of kind of dire. People were dying. Girls weren't being let into college. It was a, it was a, it was a bad down. day. Yeah. All right. Bring so, us up. I hope. So um, she was made fun of locally. I'm just kidding. They Come probably on. did. Let's be honest. Like one of her professors made her sit in a different section all by herself because she might be sensitive to the subject matter. Oh, but I also had to do that a lot growing up, but it's because I talked in class and annoyed everyone. You want to hear the funniest story? No. One of my teachers was super, super new, like really young. And he was so sick of me talking to everyone around me. He put me in the front of the class, but facing the class. Between, That's terrible. He was between me and the class. Just if you are a new teacher and you're hearing this right now, don't ever do that. If you value and you respect yourself, don't do it. They will make all kinds of ugly faces behind your back. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. And then your butt is in a kid's face the whole class too. That's awkward. For everyone involved. And in that, I mean, this was in the 80s, but you know, nowadays, I was in the 90s, but nowadays, asking for a lawsuit. Wow, Gretchen, you just went like, <laughs> I'm just old saying. Man for a second. I'm just saying. Nowadays, kids these days. If, if my kid came home and was like, my male teacher's butt was in my face all day, or just my I, teacher's butt was in my face all day, I'd probably be like, stop talking in class. I know those yeah. tricks. Okay. <laughs> all right, let's move forward. So, she finally did graduate in 1849. Yay, Elizabeth Blackwell, the first MD. She got her MD and was the first female MD in the United States. She knew. Yay, yay, yay Elizabeth. Um, so then she went to Paris for postgraduate work at the Parisian Maternity Hospital La Maternité. Um, my French being the best, but I actually did a play. This is where I learned about Elizabeth Blackwell. I did a play called Mademoiselle Blackwell. And my favorite part of it was convincing a freshman that the French pronounce ham like ham. And, um, (laughs) she got in trouble every time she would say something about, uh, and a little bit of ham. So yeah, but like, what does that really mean? Maybe that's why she was getting in trouble. I don't think the director knew French Gretchen. The director was a little bit Looney Tunes. But, you know, summer workshop, that's fun. And 
the play had this big romantic thing between her and a French doctor and it never existed. She did not have time for romance. She did not have time it's for marriage. That, to me, that also, it's a little disrespectful. Like the first female doctor, well, she probably fell in love with a male doctor. Let's right. just be honest. What right. do all women do? And then but her, have the hysterics. Right. And so, so the, the play, and I don't want to like slander the play because I'm sure that there was a reason to be like, oh, look, romance, maybe it was an assignment or something. But she didn't have time for that. She didn't have time or desire for anything other than her career and helping people. Do any of us? No, none of us have time for all that. <laughs> We're romance. Ain't nobody got time. This is not Grey's Anatomy. This is the Blackwell sisters. Hey, hey you watch it around Grey's Anatomy. I don't Anatomy. watch it. You watch it. <laughs> I do watch it. <laughs> I've invested so much of my life into that program that I can't give up now. That program? kids these days who am i talking to gotta watch my stories oh land i regret saying that i'm gonna edit it out don't edit it out it makes you look funny (laughs) to me and i get to listen to that okay go ahead okay good um so she was at la maternité she was the star also i feel like that could be like a maternity clothing store la maternité la maternité next door to l'occitane you get your lotion, you get your clothes, then you go home and put no, your feet it's up. it's not La Ossetane. <laughs> I've always said it La Ossetane in my head, but I've never said it out loud. I'm like, there's a reason for that. No, I think it's La Quitan. I'm not walking in going La Quitan. I don't L'Occitane? know, it probably is. I say, it's, I say La Ossetane. I call it that fancy lotion store in the airport. La Quitan. I don't know. Someone's going to tell us. Someone. Yeah, someone will write in and say, <laughs> look, dum-dums. I'm just imagining like with her pin out, dear, whatever we're calling our podcast, please pronounce it this way. All right. So while she was there, she was star pupil, the best ever. Um, She wanted to be an obstetric surgeon, but she was also really interested in pediatrics while she was performing a procedure on an infant who most likely had gonorrhea working on their infection. She got um, pus in her eye, squirted into her face. Oh my, I was literally like getting something out of my eyelashes when you said pus in her eye and almost lost it. Okay. And and that, my friends, is why we always wear proper face shields when we do surgery on infants. Well, nowadays. Anyone. On anyone, anyone, not just infants. Nowadays. But back then, they didn't even wash their hands. If their hands didn't smell bad, they didn't need to wash their hands. Nice. So she got gonorrhea pus in the eye. Ultimately, she got pyruliant ophthalma, ophthalmia, pyruliant ophthalmia. And lost her sight in her left eye. Holy so that's another way that you're related Lord. to the Blackwell sisters is the oldest sister has a janky left eye. Hey. Um. <laughs> Mine, however, was um, I was born with it. Well, well I mean, so was this heck, baby. maybe it was. <laughs> I need to talk to my mom. I'll be yeah. Um, and it did infect her other eye a little bit, but she didn't lose sight in that eye. But she obviously couldn't do things in candlelight and sharp things in people's bodies. So that didn't work out in her favor, but she still was an educator, a huge supporter of decriminalization of women. And because like a lot of things that it was considered a vice, just being a woman was a vice. So we're going to arrest you for living. It's because um, of our confusing lady bits. Again, <laughs> confusing lady bits. That That's what we call You podcast. have confusing lady bits. So you're wrong. Um, <laughs> gonorrhea. So she ended up going to London to study and work at St. Bartholomew's. It's kind of funny because like her preferred practice was an obstetrics and gynecology and pediatrics. She wasn't allowed to practice those because she was a woman and was sensitive. That makes so much sense. Right. 
look, look. Also, was she really surprised that she got gonorrheaed in the eye in that day and age wanting to be involved in? Encountering gonorrhea is probably not surprising. Getting a pus cannon to your eyeball is probably shocking and terrifying. Always be shocking and terrifying. So apologize, uh, apologizing to any squeamish people out there for saying pus cannon. This is not the podcast for you. Yeah. Um, at least and don't listen. Ep- yeah. yeah, I feel like no matter what the episode is, we're probably going to say something like Puss Cannon. So maybe that's what we can title our podcast. Puss Cannon, not for the squeamish. Stories yeah. about sisters. That makes so much sense. Keep going. Sure. Um, so- we're going to have like probably five of these episodes where we don't know what our title is. So also, if you're like listening from the beginning, just understand that we will come up with a title and you'll know it already. Before we do. Yeah. Anyway, so in England at St. Bartholomew's, good old St. Bart's, she met Florence okay, Nightingale. No one calls St. Bartholomew's Pus Cannon Hospital St. Bart's. That's just not so where she know. got the Pus Cannon. She got the Pus Cannon at La Maternité. Either way, that place is not St. Bart's. For her, okay. it was good old St. Bart's. Okay, gotcha. Because that's where she met her friend Flo. Flo rents Nightingale. Um, <laughs> You're joking, right? No. Oh, the nurse, okay. the very famous nurse, Florence Nightingale, yes, who promoted Florence hygiene. Nightingale. I know, I know her of her. Yeah. Okay. Florence Nightingale was a big proponent of hygiene. Elizabeth Blackwell always a has little, been. Too little, too late. Meeting the friend Flo right after the pus cannon of gonorrhea made Well, her- there was no like, there was no facial protection, True. but she always washed her hands. So there's, there's letters documenting, like, we need to get these men to wash their hands. This is disgusting. They think if their hands don't stink, they're not dirty. And meanwhile, everybody's getting sick. There's but, a lot of men that are still that way. Just say. Yeah, there is. Just check Reddit. They're in there. But credit is given for for medical hygiene. Credit is given to Hungarian physician Ignaz Semmelweis. Semmelweis. I had to. I just like, that's all I could hear of was Edelweiss. You want to sing it again before we move on? No, because I was definitely like in a low, awkward register. So. Gret- the dulcet tones of Gretchen. Like, why did I start that low? Just get to the end and stop <laughs> so oh while she's out there while elizabeth is out there changing the world and going blind um emily back in the states thinks gosh my sister is so cool i'm gonna follow in her footsteps and emily wants this is to like be a the surgeon. story of us minus the um no blindness but you still got her. janky left eye so I know. but you works. heard about me and we're like i just want to be like her um so emily says my sister's doing cool things i want to do cool things she was all about i'm gonna do this surgeon thing she applied to geneva the same place that her sister went not switzerland but new york college mm-hmm. yes. and they said absolutely not no way <laughs> we tried that joke once <laughs> it didn't fire. go well we had to graduate a woman um and em- elizabeth is still the only the only female MD in the U.S. at this point. Oh, in the story, I was like, "You're wrong." I have some friends that are MDs. Oh, I thought you meant like. <laughs> I know. I thought you're like, and she is still the only. I'm like, Emily says, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to college." So she starts doing that application process that Elizabeth did, and then she's accepted to Rush Medical College. But the state medical society said, um, "This is in Ohio." They said, sorry, you can't have women in your school and threatened to close Rush Medical College entirely. So she only got one year of education, but then she did get accepted at the Medical College of Cleveland and was able to graduate 
1854, and she was the third female uh, MD. Who was the second? I don't, I didn't write her name down. Oh, uh, well. It was Marie something or other. But good, but she actually, she graduated at the same, she also graduated from um, the Medical College of Cleveland. Were they like the one same year ahead class of and her name was just like Marie Abershire? So she got her diploma first and then poor Emily Blackwell was like, ah, I have to be third. No, she graduated a year before. She I don't might, think, they might I don't think she's together. really that concerned about not being the second one. No, but it would have been but really cool if it was like first and second sisters, sisters, mm-hmm. can't sing anymore because it's not going to be something that we can put on a podcast. There. Really? Yeah, no, I can't sing the whole song because it's copyright. No. All my plans. Um, oh, and I lied. Her name, the second girl wasn't Marie something or the Marie comes up later. So Elizabeth, when Emily graduates, Elizabeth has moved back to New York is practicing out of rented rooms until one of her friends buys her a house to open a practice in. I want that and friend. Go ahead. Yeah, like that's, I think that's pretty cool. And it's like a big vote of confidence in her ability to practice medicine. Yeah. She's working with mostly indigent and impoverished populations. And she meets a young girl, an orphan named Catherine Barry, who she adopts. And Catherine Barry later said that she found it odd up until her adult years to see men called doctors. I thought that was kind of cool. Ooh, like that's really she cool. Was, yeah. She's raised by there was lady this doctors. Cool. Oh man, this is off the subject, but it was such a cool feminist, awesome moment today. Well, this kid, we were talking about like what prophets were and like how like biblical prophets were men. And, um, this someone was like, I wonder if girls could be like, they were little kids. I wonder if girls could be prophets. And this little girl goes, I wonder if guys, if I wonder if men could be prophets. I forgot she said it, but like, I wonder if like men could be prophets, like completely innocent. Like, of course they're girls. I'm a girl. I can do that. Anyway, that's the whole story. But it was like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's Catherine Barry. I wonder if men could be doctors. Right. No, that's the exact same thing. Like, yeah. that's all they've seen. That's all they know. It's like strong, powerful women. So, yeah. Yeah. So little bitty Catherine, um, 1857, Emily moves to New York to join Elizabeth. And their friend, Marie, this is the Marie something or other, because I'm going to desperately try to pronounce her name. She is Polish and I'm yes. struggling. Go ahead. Uh, Marie Zakarzuska. Mm, not quite how I'd say it, but good, good try. Can you say it no. for me? Okay. Absolutely not. Continue. Um, <laughs> so they opened in this house, the New England Hospital for Women and Children. That is the first hospital that focuses on, on women and pediatrics. And they're super, super cool. They are big supporters of comprehensive sex education, as it was at the time. They <laughs> promoted birth control. I was like, what was it at the time? Like, you actually have lady bits. That's what it okay. was. Um, this is this. Let's make this zone less of a mystery. Okay. Like mirrors um, and things. Yeah. And like STIs. Gotcha. Not to get a gonorrhea pus cannon. Important. Um, Important. That's really important. White comprehensive, um, actually. They promoted birth control. There was already like hormones. I was about to say, what was the birth control? When was this again? Like 18 something? 1857. So like there was research into stuff. There was, uh, but also like menstrual hygiene and. um. Well, also maybe just simply like understanding what ovulation is. Yeah. Yeah. Like not necessarily what we think of. We think of birth control, but more like family planning. But I feel like the diaphragm would have been invented at that point. Probably. I don't know. Um, look it up. I, hold on. I have a Google machine. Keep going. 
All right. What year um, was it again? 1850 something? 1857. Okay. All three of them were educators and supported of all those different things. And they, thanks to Elizabeth, they practiced excellent hygiene at this hospital. So they had a lot less outbreak occurrence. Some richer women would go there um, on the sly for birth control input, things like that. And they were just, they hired mostly women, physicians and surgeons. Emily did do all the surgery at the hospital at one point. Talk to me. Okay. Got some info for you. First of all, to go back to 1850 BC, ancient oh, Egyptians Lord. liked using um, honey and animal dung. Okay. Well, Elizabeth would not have let that happen at her hospital. No. Okay. Um, no. Um, keep going. I need to fast forward at the timeline a little bit here. We're not on, we're not in the 1850s. Okay. Um, um, so what happened in the mid to late 1800s in the U.S.? Pop quiz, Gretchen. Civil War. Very good. Um, during the American Civil War, they... Okay. and also, like, I did know that, just to clarify, I'm not a total moron, and I know a little bit about history, but I was also, like, looking at something that said it on my phone. Wow, you did not have to out <laughs> yourself like that. <laughs> well, because I'm also looking at, like, um, they're talking about something they called a stoppage of nature for birth control, and I'm trying to figure out what that is. Like well, that, that's just birth control in general. Disregard. They called it okay. a stoppage of nature. But don't that's, worry. Two dudes wrote a book about pregnancy prevention. It were there were contraceptives. It says in the 1840s, states prohibited the sale of it. So yeah, yeah, because they I rem, I do know that um, because in it was 1873, the federal government banned contraceptives. I feel like I did not learn enough in women's health. Like I took several women's classes in college. And uh, yeah, but they they focus more on the now than it was also taught by a dude. Perfect. Are we ready for the Civil War? We're ready. All right. So during the American Civil War, they helped select and train nurses for the Union. Go ahead. They had condoms. Sheepskin. Yes. And in 1839, they had rubber condoms. Oh, so we don't have a latex allergy and diaphragms. Yeah, you're right. And withdrawal was also present as well as abstinence so yeah withdrawal and abstinence have been have been a constant presence oh and i forgot they called it this i remember teaching this the rhythm method oh yeah there's still people that swear by the rhythm method i know but it's just so funny it's called the rhythm method like if you tap out a certain beat then you won't get pregnant Oh, I was thinking more on like you uterus. had to dance. Like rhythm the, is going to get you. scared away. So you just tap it out on your uterus. Wow, that got. Yeah, I did. Go on. Broad, civil real war. fast. Civil war. All right. So civil war. They selected and trained nurses for the union. And they joined Mary Livam- Livermore to create and support the United States Sanitary Commission or and or the National Sanitary Aid Association. Pretty sure Elizabeth's hygiene thing comes in here but um i couldn't verify what the the actual name of this group was called so they are keeping people clean while they're tending to the medical needs of the civil war and then after the war they were kind of all over the place elizabeth became the hygiene chair of the women's medical college of new york infirmary so it was part of the new york infirmary then it merged with Cornell. So her role was no longer needed. So she went back to England and joined the medical women's movement. In 1907, she fell down a flight of stairs and became permanently disabled because of that. What is going on? It's 1907. So she she's 
in her 80s. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so mean, it's not like it's not like it's 20 not minutes quite. after she graduated from college, she was permanently disabled after going blind. That's true. We're not okay. that we're not there. This I is was still like feeling for her on the going blind from the gonorrhea pus cannon. So I'm like, oh now the stairs. Yeah. I um, guess when you're 80 and you go down a flight of stairs, like I'm glad you're and, still with us. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> her health began to fail. And with that, my guess, this is certainly not like documented, but my guess is like a little bit of her drive probably fell, failed then too. Like it's really hard to be blind and also you're 80. You've had a good career. Yeah. Go rest on your laurels. She died at 89. Um, three years later, May 31st, 1910. Um, but even up until the day of her death, she was sitting in lectures and contributing to the lectures on hygiene. She actually um, died in a lecture. They thought she was just asleep. She was, I was going to try and say something funny, but it didn't work out. And I'll be that's the funny not one. where it's she fine. died. She died at home. Don't worry. I'll be the funny one. We'll just set uh, that precedent now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she was always vigilant about women's health and about the destruction of women as vice. Like this idea that women are inherently bad and dirty. She really wanted to rid the world of that idea. Sweet. Thank you. Emily. Thank you, Emily. That was Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Thank you, Elizabeth. Yes. That's the big sister. Little sister, Emily returned to New York city and moved in with Dr. Elizabeth Couchier, who was the love of her life and quit her job and went into theater. Like Mm. all second sisters do at some point. No, (laughs) she did not quit her job. She adopted an Irish girl named Nani and they lived happily as a family. What's with adopting all the different girls? I think it's their orphans that show up at the hospital. Oh, okay. So they like, adopt them. Um, okay, but so it's just two just of like, them. I feel like there's a lot of, oh, there's only two. Okay. Yeah. But, but like when Elizabeth was practicing out of like basements and, and that house that someone purchased for her, kids just got dropped off there. Hmm. So that that's how she good. ended up with Catherine. Um, and I, I wouldn't doubt if it was similar case with Nani. So were either of these women ever like married or in relationships? Yes, I just told you, Emily, oh. with Dr. Elizabeth Couchier. She oh, were what? a lesbian. Yes, oh, she was a okay. lesbian. Yeah. Did you say she married her? No, they can't. They oh, couldn't yes, get married. They married. Good yeah. work. Not oh until God. like 2014. Um, no. Okay. So. Well, that, doc- that also speaks to the adopting children. Yeah. Children. Yeah. yeah. Elizabeth didn't have time for that. Yeah. She was. Well, there weren't a whole lot of playing. other ways for women to have children in a lesbian relationship in 1850 right. whatever so yeah I the late 1800s can we clarify we have no idea what timeline we're in i feel like 1850 is where i stopped listening the late 1800s let's just go with that the late 1800s dr mary putnam jacoby this is a cute little moment she was a friend of the blackwells she was one of the physicians at the hospital that they'd opened um she wrote a letter to elizabeth in 1888 about Emily and Elizabeth C. Um, Who's Elizabeth C? Emily's Dr. Elizabeth Couchier, Emily's partner. How come I don't remember her at all? She is very, because she's I, not a very memorable We've only been talking artist. about her this entire last 10 minutes. I understand, but I didn't remember her name. Gotcha. Okay, she's also named Elizabeth, Elizabeth C. Hmm. Um, but what? Elizabeth B. Sweet moment. 
cluing in. Okay. What Dr. Jacoby said was she is a remarkable, lovely woman, spirited, unselfish, generous, and intelligent. I do not know what Dr. Emily would do without her. She absolutely basks in her presence and seems as if she has been waiting for her for a lifetime. That's very sweet. It is so sweet. They retired. Now I have a new theory that Elizabeth C actually did most of the raising of these children because I feel like Emily and Elizabeth were so driven. And Elizabeth, like at this point, Catherine's a, a full adult. She's in her thirties, not Nani, but Catherine. Yeah. You know how time works. Yeah. I'm trying to create scandal and like, well, oh, we've got some scandal coming. Just hold out, hold out. Okay. I'm very impatiently. I've the puss cannon wasn't a scandal long for you. time for a scandal. Oh my goodness. So, um, they retired in 1900, Elizabeth C and, and Emily. Gotcha. They traveled the world, then settled in Montclair, New Jersey with a summer house in Maine. Emily died in their summer home in September of, of 1910. In so three months, New uh, York Cliffs, Maine. Yeah. Gretchen's freaking out because her brother lives in Maine. Also, there's like, there's two ghost sisters in his house. In Zachary's house? Yeah. You don't know about this? P.S. Our brother's name is Zachary. He'll yeah. probably be mad because we said his name on the internet. Um. <laughs> He's afraid of the internet. He will be. Uh, Everyone go look up Zachary. Just Zachary. Oh, man. Why you say my name on the internet? Anyway, we'll do another episode on the sisters that haunt our brother's house. So um, Emily died yeah. in our brother's house in, in Maine. Maine. Right. Go ahead. And but what about um, Elizabeth C, who I like, who raised all their children selflessly? Elizabeth C said about when Emily died. This is this is her what she actually said. Um, a sad blow came in the death of Dr. Blackwell, making an irreparable, an irreparable, irreparable, I say irreparable, a sad blow came in the death of Dr. Brack. Let me try this one more time. <laughs> a sad blow came in the death of Dr. Blackwell, making an irreparable break in my life. Mm. And then she finished raising Nani and she died after world war one. Um, Elizabeth C since you want to know about her, she yeah. died. After World War One, I. I like her. Um, and she did. She trained nurses to send overseas in World War One. These women covered quite a span of time. They do, and they are brilliant and amazing. So yeah. that is the Blackwell sisters. Now the scandal. Lord, it's I recorded thought. by one reputable source that Elizabeth Blackwell was all about the eugenics. So do you know what eugenics are? Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Basically it's like racial profiling in medicine. And oh, okay. Yes. And what? there were, okay, but, how she all of, but how was she all about it? What do you mean? So that that's the thing. Like people, people cling to this part of her story. Um, and it's even on like drunk, there's a drunk history episode about her that they talk about how she was like totally racist. Wait, wait, like wait, that. wait. But this is like, okay. So I understand eugenics as it comes to like, wasn't that a big deal with like the Holocaust and everything? The uh -huh. eugenics, but this is, it also has to do with reproduction, right? Yeah. So it's basically not permitting, not permitting specific races to the, the context okay. that she's given and what the, the brush that they paint her with is she did not want certain races to, to reproduce together. Oh, to no, at all, at all, at all. Gotcha. Um, okay. And yes, I that do, is I do have of... an understanding about it. I think it's just the fact that she's like, um, a, a well-known lesbian. That's Emily, not Elizabeth. 
Oh, Elizabeth B. Yeah, Elizabeth Blackwell. Oh, you've got to use their surnames. So I can okay. still like Elizabeth C. You can like Elizabeth and Emily as like Elizabeth Couchier and Emily Blackwell. You okay. can also like Elizabeth Blackwell because yeah. people who practiced in the hospital that she opened were the ones that were huge proponent proponents of eugenics. Mm. But there's no documentation about her being part so of it was that. mainly the hospital. Yeah. 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 And was she taught that stuff in Paris? Absolutely. Did she fight it in England at the end of her life? Absolutely. So we can't prove anything about that, but we have to take People it into can stride. also change. Right. So it could have been something that she did for out of fear. We've all like said things that we don't necessarily like in our younger ages. You know, you've had those moments where you say something you're like, mm, I don't really feel right that. about yeah. this. And then you're like, I'm really super against that, actually. So but also like it was huge in the feminist medical movement. That's bizarre to me. And there was big racism in women's suffrage, too. Let's be honest. There was and still is in some cases racism everywhere. Medicine is still insanely young, like good mm. medicine. What about the song Bad Medicine? Will you sing it for us? No, because that's all I know. I don't think I know this song. I know Bad Company till the day I die. Oh, there's a song called Bad Medicine. Well, we'll oh, your love on. is like bad medicine. Yeah, your love, yeah, that one. Yeah. Bad medicine is what I need. Oh, oh. get those low notes, Gretchen. Oh, Edelweiss. well, that was a wonderful story. Thank you for opening us up with a story about gonorrhea, pus cannons and antique mid 1800s lesbian adoption. Late and 1800s. I told you I was stuck on 1850s, so we're staying. Yeah, so. <laughs> and what else? Ancient Egyptian um, dung diaphragms. I'm yeah, I was going to edit that out. So I guess I need to edit that you out too. You can't do it now. <laughs> Take your gonorrhea and go home. Bye, sisters. Bye, sisters. <laughs>